1: So this is Richard Jacobs with the Future Tech and Future Tech Health podcast. Um, my guest today is the co founder of Visum Tech, V I S O M T E C H. That's the website, visumtech.com. His name is Sean Buchanan. We're talking about uh, AR and surgery, augmented reality and surgery, which is sounds really cool. So, Sean, how are you doing? Good. How are you doing today,
2: Richard? Thanks for
1: having us on. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, probably no one wants to have surgery, but you know a lot of people have to have it. So, what's the how is augmented reality going to improve it and change the experience for people? Uh,
2: yeah, we're, we're really excited um, because um, when it just comes down to it, surgery is just not as safe as we think it is. Um, we can't see inside the human body uh, the way it's made or, or it needs to be seen. Um, and augmented reality provides a, a great avenue to, to better patient care and outcomes through that way. Um, and uh, we're really excited about it because um uh, we know we can have a high impact uh, and, and really simplify surgery for everyone. Um, we know that um, that surgical errors uh, considered the third leading cause of death in the United States. It costs about $17 billion per year, and we know that 75% of surgical error occurs during uh, the surgery. Um, and so by providing and making a 3D visual assistant, you know, we can simplify surgery so that way uh the right in the right
1: way. So what's an example of how it would work you know, let's say I'm doing, um, I don't know, some work on the heart. Would I, would I wear goggles that project onto my field of vision? Yeah. The different parts of the heart, for instance, like how would it help? Yeah. So let's let's change from the
2: heart to the to the brain, uh, because that's where we're starting. Um, uh, this idea came from my college roommate, um, who is now a neuroendovascular fellow at the University of Washington. Um, and so what we use is uh, the Microsoft HoloLens. Um, it's an absolutely amazing product. Um, and we check HoloLens because of the stability of the hologram. Um, and so uh, for the use cases for, for what we're looking at this, um, what we're doing is from a patient education standpoint, um, uh, we're starting with models and then moving into the, the patient-specific brain, but they would be able to see their tumor and then the surgeon would be able to walk them through of what he's worried about and how he's going to de-risk that, where he's going to make a cut, all those different things. And um, what's helpful about our approach in, in our secret sauce is that uh, right now you're, you're looking at 2D images and that translation to 3D is really challenging. So this is just uh, provides a platform to make it a lot more intuitive and collaborative.
1: Well, would this be for the patients you see or what about the surgeon themselves if um if they would tumor yeah, that a tumor that has a certain morphology, wouldn't they want to look at it and rotate it in 3D so when they go in there they go, Oh yeah, I know where, where we're going with this thing. Yeah, great question,
2: Richard. What we found is um is that we've built a a uh, flexible uh, 3D visualization assistant that can be used a variety of ways. Um and so that's one feature is from patient education, um, but uh, the other application there feature that we're looking at is for pre-surgical planning. Um, and so since it's been really cool, it's been something we've, we've, we've learned that they, they gravitate to more, uh, but a surgeon would look at a patient-specific anatomy of a tumor um, and, 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 and look at uh, how he does his planning for his case or, or de-risk it down. And what's cool is they're blowing up the hologram to the size of a room. So then that way they can walk through the patient-specific anatomy hologram and tumor and see what's like, oh. occurring in the tumor around it. And so that's, it's a, it's, a, it's a big step up for them because right now they're either looking at that 2D MRI or they are, uh, you know, playing with a 3D brain and, and that's great, but you just, you can't get into what are those gotcha areas that they're really worried about. And they need, they need every tool that they can to, to de-risk down the, for those hard cases. Well, I guess from a
1: regulatory point of view, there's probably very little, if anything, you know, for the surgeon to at least view beforehand and do a walkthrough of the surgery versus using it during the surgery. So are you, are you segmenting it that way? Is that why you're talking about this part of it? Because there's a much lower threshold of adoption? Yeah, it's,
2: it's, a great, uh, it's a great insight there for the way we've been telling our story, Richard. Um, we've always been concentrating on this from an interoperative standpoint. Um, I myself have been obsessed with computer vision and how that heals the human body for seven years. Uh, we were looking at the Xbox Connect with, kind of high frequency seizure movements to see what you could get. Uh, We knew that uh, the hardware was there where we could get close. And so um, our secret sauce is we can look at the patient and overlay that um, in under a minute and with millimeter precision accuracy um, into a different use case that's patient uh, bedside. Right now they don't have tools. Um, Right now they're, they're just using that 2D image and trying to jam a, a knife or a, a you know, size of a one millimeter in your head to release the fluid pressure from your brain. Um, and so, um, so, yeah, so uh, there's that opportunity there, but we've, we, we know we need to get this interoperative because that's going to make the biggest uh, difference for the surgeons. Um, and with the HoloLens 2 coming uh, through, we we're very uh, bullish on, on our technology and what we've built in, and what we can accomplish in, into that. So um, you're right that we're focusing on getting interoperative, but in working it back, Um, There there are a variety of ways that having this 3D visualization, we can start getting this into the hands of users uh, and start understanding how we can help them and assist them better.
1: Um, So are you at the point where surgeons are using this and then going to do the surgery and giving you feedback? Yeah, so uh, we have identified
2: our our first three users um, uh, and uh, are, are working through with soft launching with them. Um, we're we're closing a pre-seed round uh, currently right now to be able to, to ramp up our capacity to meet those demands. Um, but we're located out of Seattle, Washington here, and uh, we're we're launching um, this fall with uh, Dr. Avinash Shadhari um, at Overlake Hospital um, with a patient education um, uh, with that patient education feature I mentioned, um, and then we'll be uh, launching this winter and at the Medical University of South Carolina with Dr uh Dr. Eskandari, where we'll be uh, doing a study, feasibility study into this uh, for the image alignment. Um, and then just as recently uh, as in the last week, uh, we've been um, working with Dr. Alan Ho from Stanford, and we'll be applying this fall and then looking in the winter to be doing uh, that specific patient bedside uh, uh, image alignment that I mentioned a little bit earlier. So we're I mean, this is super there. important.
1: Yeah, this is not just for like, It's not just for surgery of patients. I mean, research in a given area would tremendously benefit from this. You know, if these images were able to be, you know, pseudonymized or anonymized and released by the... I mean, so first of all, the patient I could see would have a whole set of rights created around the imagery of their body. And they could give this or license it or whatever to science and research. So it'd be a whole other dimension of research for people to see all the various organs and Literally, their morphology in a 3D view and walk through them, and there's just a lot of places that's going to be used. Yeah, there's um, actually
2: uh, uh, about 200,000 academic researches
1: that uh, research
2: papers that we've seen of of research and, and academics looking into this space. It's something that um, everybody has been excited about for a really long time, um, and in the breakthrough of what we've been able, uh, and I'm very lucky to to, to be a part of because my team is. They're, they're, creative, they're geniuses, really, um, is being able to, to be able to recognize a patient within a millimeter precision accuracy and, and be able to, to do that in under a minute. And a standalone device hasn't been able to be done before. Um, and so we believe that this is the major tip of the sphere of a kind of a tipping point in terms of the technology uh, that we've seen interest for and then what people have been really needing and wanting. And then with this, uh, it leads us into a clear path where we can really get into Really uh, amazing things that we've been kind of circling around with, but we haven't really been able to get there because, you know, we need to get this to the point where any surgeon at any, any, uh, any area of the body can look and then be able to have this x-ray vision and then be able to then get some some support into what's some further data and knowledge that we can provide insights for you. So then that way that the cards aren't stacked up for them, where they're, they're having and being overwhelmed by all these things that they're trying to do when they're saving a life.
1: I mean, this literally should be a part of medical training. This should be Grey's Anatomy add-on. Yep. Everything should yeah. be image like this it, accessible. And yeah. I love, and I love that
2: you say that because um, you know I I view myself as as hopefully just someone who's just spreading the word. But um, we're seeing um, a different kind of surgeon coming through today. Uh, the standard of of care today will not be the standard of care tomorrow. And these, this new generation of surgeons have been working with technology their entire lives, um, and so they 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 need the help with this. And so um, we we see so many applications for it. And I know that uh, out there in America, there's probably a hundred things that um, that could be companies that could save lives tremendously. Because we're not seeing enough innovation in the space. It's it's um, people aren't using the principles that have been proven in the other areas and we can get these technologists to connect with these physicians who are, who are geniuses and just need the right technical uh, expertise to help make their dreams a reality, I, I, just the sky's the limit in healthcare right now. And, and, and where we're seeing the hardware right now, is it's, it's unreal with what it's accomplishing. And we just, we just need more help of, of more talent in this area. And that's what I'm hoping to spread the message today. And I, I can't thank you enough for your help with this, Richard.
1: Yeah, no, I've, I've actually thought about this for a while but are, are there even libraries of normal functioning of, you know, inside of the body instead of just like 2D images, uh, you know, the beating heart or a fly around or fly through of the heart yeah. and or the brain or you know,
2: those things exist? Yeah, they do exist. I mean, there's, and, and that's honestly a world, uh, there's a lot of, we're over focused on um, down the road or looking at this is, um, CT scans and MRI scans are going to be the higher quality images that really, that really help drive a surgeon in terms of, of what they're looking for. Uh, at least that's what I've
1: learned. So my guess is that the normal morphology, a surgeon, for instance, should use what's normal in their training and look at that. And then they should get the you know CT or MRI scans of their particular patient rendered into 3D, compare that to, let's say, normal morphology. And they can see literally what's going on, what's changed, what could be affected next to what they're working on, you know, yes. for that particular patient and what's normal. And that would probably be the full suite of what they can see. Yeah, training's a uh, another great area.
2: Um we know uh it, it, in conversation with the Mayo Clinic that it's something that they're really looking at um taking it to uh, expanding in the augmented reality in the VR situation. Um, really the, the sky is the limit in this area and we're, we're seeing some great people and players that are out of the space uh, addressing this need um, where we're just excited about is we believe the the most important and valuable data in the world is seeing what a surgeon uh, what a surgeon sees when they operate um, and so um, all these different great varieties of ways that uh, surgeons have pulled from us that we've been able to find a way to that's uh, a little bit a lesser technical challenge to be able to provide these these great uh, use cases to them that will be a tremendous benefit to the patient. But the goal is, is to get this uh, where you can have a, a heads-up display or a hollow lens or whatever it might be, and they'll be able to see through the patient automatically and then be able to, to then automate a lot of those highly repetitive decisions that they have to make on their own and interpret uh, on the fly that we could, we could give to them in a, in a more assisting manner. But you're absolutely right on the training standpoint. Um, I, it's an area we're looking at. It's just uh, it's, we, we're, we're focused on what we think could be a little bit more high impact, respectively, to, to everybody else that's looking in those spaces.
1: You know what I like about what you're doing is you're not waiting for AI. I hear that all the time. Oh, well, AI is needed to interpret this or do this or that. So we're going to, you know, once that's here, we'll do all this. But you're just doing it anyway and using the human I component that. to, you know, to help it along.
2: Yeah, I would say as a technologist, what I've learned of looking into the space is shocking to me. Um, it's, uh, I don't think that there's a premium product experience in healthcare right now. Um, and I think that um, in in our our healthcare workers, surgeons, nurses, everybody, I mean, these are our superheroes. I mean, they are literally saving lives and healing us. Uh, and, and it's just, we, we want to be able to help them in any way. But as we break that down, we can see some very low-hanging fruit uh, that's there by just applying uh, transfer learning from stuff that's already been proven in other areas that we that we know that can can really have a high impact um, and help people out a lot.
1: So, what's your path to um, implementation? You mentioned a bunch of doctors that are going to be using it, but um, what's the timeline look like for the next year or so?
2: Yeah, so in the next six months, we'll we'll be launching with those users uh, and, and closing out our rounds so we can ramp up our engineering capacity uh, to to meet those users. Um, we're all, all are always looking for uh, more early adopter innovators to, to speak to, so we can learn about different areas outside of the head um, uh, and into the other areas of the body, so as we can move this forward way longer term. Uh, but in the next twelve months, we'll, we'll apply to the FDA and we'll we'll be cleared through or are, are close to that um, and, uh, and be able to, to, to be really commercializing this. Um, and I would say we've, we, we've learned a lot about our users and we're moving into the next stage of, of really just getting crystallized in terms of the value and, and how big of an impact and how quickly we can go with this. Um, but we are, uh, we're very bullish on the area. Um, we know that um, healthcare care is changing. It's still slow, but we can really see a movement that's going on right now. Um, and, uh, and we're excited because, uh, we just see a lot of people who are tackling really complex problems that need to be addressed. And, uh, we're, we're excited about where we're at and we're excited about what we're seeing in the market as well.
0: What are going to be
1: the metrics though? How do you know, like a surgeon can tell you, oh yeah, I really liked it. But what are the specific metrics that you've come up with with them? to yeah, Tell them we, and you it's better.
2: Yeah. From a business standpoint, we know we need to get into anywhere from 10 to 20 hospitals, but we know we need to get to, to ten evangelists, and uh, we're we're confident about three, if not five of them that we have right now. Um, but in, in the getting in the getting into their hands, uh, and then really being able to validate out the data that we see of our tech advantage. That you know we have benchmark data, but what we're doing is disruptive, so we don't we don't have those specific studies yet. Um, but we have some benchmarks against it, um, and so those are the metrics that, that we're we're looking longer term. Uh, you know, in the next six to twelve months versus very short term. In the next six months, we'll we'll know you know how much this increases patient satisfaction um, of being able to see their you know with these models in 3D, and then we'll understand of, of the usability from a surgeon standpoint with this image alignment. And then we're we're really excited because uh, we know that uh, surgery needs a lot of help patient bedside. Um, they don't have a lot of great, they don't have many if any uh, visualization tools over there in the way that they need. And so we're at uh, Stanford with Dr. Ho. We're, we're excited about proving out where we can start helping there too.
1: I don't think have a problem with the doctors because once you have a hospital that says, you know, all right, we're using this. I mean, that's a huge competitive advantage. I would much rather go to a surgeon that uses this. If they were smart, they'd market it than someone that doesn't I mean, any day. Yep, you, you just
2: uh, just set a line from our go-to-market strategy, Richard. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're we're we we are uh, we we believe that, but we know that we need to uh, prove this out with the studies. Um, I mean, it's uh, we're 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 surgeon-centric. We have an evidence-based medicine approach, um, and so we know that um, we're pre-launching and, and soft-launching, and, and as we get that. Um, we're excited about uh, what we're going to be able to to help out from both the user as well as from the buyer standpoint. Um, we see this as one uh, pinpoint into a very massive, complex problem with healthcare, but um, we know that we can help make surgery safer and more in an efficient manner. So it's a little bit more valuable.
1: Oh yeah. Well, I'm excited to see what the what the surgeons experience and how much it impacts their ability to do surgery well. The, yeah, can I, can
2: I tell you a story and just an expansion of, of a little bit of, uh, sure. uh, of one thing? Yeah, so for patient bedside, um, I'm a terrible driver, Richard. I, I can't wait for autonomous vehicles. But let's say uh-huh. I, I get in a car, car accident and my brain starts swelling. Um, you know, right now, uh, when they are trying to relieve the fluid or pressure from, from my, my brain, they're looking up at a CT scan and MRI scan and they're looking for landmarks and they're trying to translate that 2d image into 3d. And it's like stabbing a, a one millimeter straw in a brain that you have to get in one stroke. And that translation from 2d to 3d is hard, especially when it's a complex case. Oh yeah. And so, you know, and so um, it's, it, it, we're, that is where we could see a, a great impact area in this and, and, and and we're, we're yeah and we're just it, it scares me of seeing the standard of care of today in certain cases where you just know there's technology out there in other areas that could that could just help them um, and so it's uh, it, it'll be yeah
1: well maybe this also can improve the tell me where it hurts question if someone can point to something you know if I can get a scan of yeah. myself in a particular area and point to it. This little crevice area over here, I think, is where it hurts. Yeah. Well, let's say I could even touch my head, and there's an overlay of some interior part of me, and I can move yeah. my hand like over my head and you know near my temple, yeah. and this is where it hurts. Yeah. Not. But this is where I feel pressure. Yeah. It would probably give everyone a lot more information about what's going on.
2: Yeah, and I mean, just again, it's it's so exciting, but. Uh, I would ask you and anybody to, to is when have we ever had a computer with eyes that has been able to help us record and turn into numbers of how we heal the human body. And yeah, I no, the yeah, opportunity, sure. you know, and it's the, the opportunity for it is we just need to get this on people's heads in a way that helps them and it's intuitive so they can continue to use it. And then we can start understanding those things. Um, you know, you you bring up that point. When we were originally looking at this, we were going to try to to look into if you could get into early detection for seizures um, with the Xbox Connect, and, and and so it's an area that we that we've been bullish on. And what we're we can't be more excited about is just we know the timing is right. And in that case, if the timing is right, it means that we can really make an impact uh, to healthcare. Uh, that's high impact on a,
1: on a low cost model that can
2: that can really have a significant
1: runway. Yeah, that's great. And legend yeah. has it a lot of people are visual, so this plays right into it. You know, this would be a huge group yeah. once it's active.
2: Yeah, it's it's um, it's fantastic of, of how it helps simplify it down and 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 really kind of open up a discussion where anybody can can have a, a more collaborative talk about it because it's just easier to understand.
1: So it's you know unfortunately it's not ready for people to say. For people ask their surgeon, hey, do you use your system? But in the meantime, like what are some resources for people? Are there AR or VR libraries or at least 3D libraries online where people can look at, you know, different parts of the human body, for instance, to at least start to get a feel for where
2: this can go? You know, there's, there's some great people out there that are, that are working on the market. Um, and, uh, y- you know, I, I, I know some of the areas that they're implemented uh, in hospitals on, but it's, it's pretty limited, I think, to, to the metropolitan areas. Um, and uh, I would say just in terms of resources, uh, it, it, would, uh, it would more be a question of help to everyone, of helping um, create a dialogue and a movement in this area, because uh, for AR in healthcare, Um, There are a lot of physicians who are excited about this, but what would help us get it quicker to provide more resources is getting people to to ask about it or, 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 you know, create more of a dialogue and and demand into it. Um, Right now, you know, for for you and I or people who are really in the cutting edge of technology, it's a little bit more intuitive, but we're a smaller subset uh, of a larger population. And and, and unfortunately, you know, it's strengthened numbers at that point.
1: So the best thing people could do now is ask their doctor, "Hey, do you have 3D vision of my problems? You have AR of my problem yeah. or my surgery?" And the doctor will say, "Well, no, it doesn't exist." Or, "I'm sure they're working yeah. on it, but it'll put the put it put the bug in their ear, literally."
2: It put yeah, so and, exactly. It's it's about creating a movement right now. Um, I mean, we're starting to see it with all these smartphone apps in different areas. I mean, I know this fantastic. Tony Law, who's over at the University of Washington, uh, ears, nose, and throat, that, that has a fantastic smartphone app that he's developed on the side. I mean, there, there, there are people out there that are small and tiny and mighty <laughs> that are starting to try to help create a movement for healthcare and in a variety of different ways. Um, but uh, healthcare is big; it's it's got a lot of problems and uh, it's a complex thing. Um, but where we can really help out um, as patients and, and the population is. Is you know drawing the attention to our providers um, and and the hospitals, uh, so that way we can understand, um, you know where 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 we can all move together to to, to help make this a, a safer
1: place. Well, very cool. So, what's the best way to get in touch with you and your company? I go to the website. Yeah,
2: or, you know, to- yeah. We we have the website that you mentioned. Uh, that's great. Um, it's uh, visomtech.com. visomtec uh, dot com. Uh, we have a, a Twitter account and LinkedIn. Um, you know, I mean we're we're early stage up enough where uh, you know anybody can reach out to me on email at S E A N at businesstech.com, But we're 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 looking for uh, people like you, Richard, that are that are interested interested in this and we're excited about where we can take it. Um, it but we everybody needs help when the, when they're in early stage, right? So um, we're we're tiny and mighty and we have the grit to disrupt and we know we'll get there, but the more help we can get, uh, the better off we, we can we can get this into people's hands. That's great, well, Sean. Thank
1: you for coming. It's been a really cool call.
2: Yeah, I've, I've loved your questions, uh, Richard. They're, they were gangster. Uh, <laughs> my god, I, I might have gotten a little bit too ranty there, but you know, you, you have some great things that we're just all so passionate about. <laughs>
1: oh, you're funny.